an old unventilated policy and my new minimalist policy. And the judge was like, I just can't compare these two things. Too bad for you, Terry. Um, your tenants are going to get a $5 increase. Hey, it's JP. Hi, it's Excel. And you're listening to Terry Shower on the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. I'm here this week with Ron Warner, who is an investor. He's going to just give us a little, you know, bit of uh, intro onto exactly what he does, where his investments are. But we have a very interesting topic today, which is very topical. Rent increases are big. Ron has some big rent increases, and we're here to talk about strategy for how we get the tenants to accept those increases. Um, so before we get into that, Ron, why don't you just uh, tell our audience a little bit about what you do, what's your portfolio, and uh, your experience? Oh, definitely. So I've been in real estate for since 2002. Uh, I started off with a triplex in uh, the South, and I was just doing basically a mom and pop uh, strategy. Didn't have any... I was trying to learn. When I first started in real estate in 2002, I was actually trying to figure out how it, how it works and try to figure out how to best uh, enter the market. Uh, I tried to go ahead with real estate brokers as kind of my guide, but I've learned throughout the experience and throughout the years that you'd have to do a lot of it yourself or join a network or join a, a mentor. And so it took, before I started actually expanding the portfolio to a larger part, it took me a, a good 20 of it. 18 years before I even got started to the other ones. So uh, 2020 is when I got another fourplex. I did the calculations, but throughout 2017 to 2020 is where I started to take that learning curve and I started to learn as much as I can in real estate. Um, what sparked the interest to actually go into investing more in a multi-level uh, or let's say multiplex apartment is after reading the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, realizing that I was living in a house in 2005 and realized, wow, it's, it is a liability. And I kind of discovered that. And I sold the house in 2018 and then went towards a fourplex in 2020. And from there, the markets, and as probably a lot of people know, in 2020, 2021, the markets were very, very um, uh, attractive for investors to refinance the properties and to purchase uh, larger buildings or larger properties. And that's where I came into. So we went and acquired it tw in 2020 acquired a 16 unit in Longay. And then in 2021, we did the same thing again. We acquired another unit in Longay for uh, a 16 unit as well. And now we come to today where I'm asking our good friend here, Terry, for some advice on property management. Okay. So let's then get into the subject. So um, you had a lot of expenses last year. Yes. The tell increases are also very high this year. So um, you're going to tell us exactly, you know, what went into your increases and then we can get into unpacking that a little bit. Um, but just in general, you know, I've had on average, I guess, maybe seven, eight percent increases this year. And getting tenants to accept that is not easy, even if you do things by the book and legitimately use the towel calculation, which um, actually we had a video on that two weeks ago. So if you want to check that out. I did like a training video that shows you exactly how to use the TAL calculation, which is what you're supposed to do um, when you're you're increasing your rents in a in a kind of a legitimate way in Quebec. So, Ron, tell us first um, how big are your increases and what generated those numbers? Okay, so the reason I came here to see Terry is because we had an increase of sixteen point five percent in our calculations through the TAL. 
I'm kind of, I was kind of astonished. And I said to myself that, how do I approach these uh, tenants with that amount of increase? So the expenses that we realized was the insurance cost. The insurance cost is when we acquired the building in 2021, the previous owner had roughly $4,000 in insurance, $4,500 in insurance costs uh, per annum. And ours was 26,000. Now I've tried many times to shop around. I've spoken to many uh, different advisors or insurance brokers, and I, would, I was having, we were really having a hard time trying to shop around for a good insurance. So I had, we paid for the whole year and we had no choice but to apply that insurance cost to the, uh, to, to the records. The, hy- the hydro as well is another increase that we had to factor in. And we didn't do any major exp- uh, renovations or maintenance on the property. So basically the taxes, the school tax, the energy costs, and the insurance were one of the pro- primary factors for the increase uh, of the 6.55%. Okay. So before we get into the specifics of each of those things, because some of the, let's say, uh, expenses are more and less sketchy, and we'll get into uh, increasing with insurance, but let's first talk about strategy. So the first piece of advice that I gave Ron when he asked me, you know, we came up with the subject of, of how to do this is something that we do in our agency when we have really big increases, and that is to go door to door. Like, sure, it's easy to send recommended letters. It's easy to, you know, now there's all kinds of notifications by email. But I found that these kind of increases really go through better when you show up at the tenant's door, you make an appointment, you, you know, take hat in hand and you say, look, here is the calculation form. Here is the increase letter. And I showed up in person because I know it's a lot of money. Cost of living is going up. There's all sorts of videos about this online and it's in the news. And the more sort of you explain that to them and walk them through the calculations, because if you just give them a piece of paper and, you know, I'll, I'm going to do a screen share later and we'll show you the, the towel calculation. But if you just, you know, give them a piece of paper and don't give them an explanation, those are complicated calculations and people don't understand what they're looking at. And when they receive it by mail or they receive it by email, it's this kind of impersonal thing. And it's very easy for them to have negative feelings towards you as the property owner who just sends off a piece of paper without showing up and be like, no, look, my face is here. I'm here. I know you're going to be unhappy. I'm showing up because I'm not hiding from this. I'm purposely going to show you and explain to you where this comes from and to just play transparency. You know, and so that's what I do. I show up, you know, with a file, with my calculations, with the increased letter. And then I say to people, if you want to come and go through this, all of the bills are available to you. We can share them on Google Drive. You can come to my office. You know where I am. If you want to go through and redo this calculation to see that these are not numbers that I'm pulling out of wherever, these are actually legitimate numbers that come from the Reggie calculation, like, you know, of high increases. I, I would say I've had like a 90% acceptance rate just because you go through that, you know, personal interaction where you talk the people through and you say, this is, this is what it is. Right. And so like, based on that, Ron went ahead and he did uh, his homework. He printed out his, you know, increased forms. And so he's going to go around and deliver those. But now I want to get into the technical particulars, a a little bit of how you do this. And so Ron uh, brought his letters along today. We can show the letter here. This is actually the letter that is, um, created by Proprio Expert, which is the software that we use internally. Um, Ron is using it for his management, so yes. good for you, Ron. <laughs> um, but I want to show you something here. I'm going to hold it up to the screen, and you're going to see the little problem with this. Okay? So you can see here at the bottom that Ron has 
three options here, okay? Three options, which are I want to renew my lease and I accept the increase. I want to leave at the end of my term and I'm going to refuse but stay, okay? <laughs> and so this technically on the regie form, because there's a regie form for, for your increased letters, the tenant has those three options. And so what you're doing is you're producing a very easy thing where all they have to do is click off the, the thing, I refuse the increase, and I want to stay anyway. And so you're making that super available to people. Now, you do in your increase letter need to inform people of their legal right to refuse the increase and stay. So you have to inform them of this, but you don't have to make it available so easily with a little checkbox. And so I'm going to just do a screen share now that you can see the form that we use, which is basically the exact same information is on there. It's just the way it's presented is a little bit, it makes that step of, I want to refuse and stay anyway. It just puts it a little bit further away. So, so you're going to see here our increase letter, which has all of the you know information. It says your lease is ending at the end of June, 2023. Your rent is going to go from current amount to future amount. Now, we also use our increases to add additional conditions. And you'll see um, this is just like a standard letter that we use. But for example, we want our tenants to have tenants insurance and provide it to us. We don't want them to be smoking in their units and we don't want them to be growing cannabis. We also want the location of payment to be our office. We don't want it to be the tenant's uh, home, which sometimes in old leases you have these conditions. So we just dump those things in our renewal letter so that they go through automatically so that we don't have to go back and check the conditions on every leases. We also have um, a clause here that the tenants are responsible for their snow removal, even if we pay for the snow removal. And this is important because it's all about responsibility. So if the tenant if you want to pay for snow for removal for your tenants because you feel like that's an important service, go ahead. But don't put the onus of responsibility onto you because one day if your concierge doesn't clear the snow or if your snow removal guy doesn't show up, you don't want people uh, claiming that you are supposed to be providing a service that you're not providing. And we all know like that snow removal people are not always the most reliable. So um, we just dump those conditions in our renewal letters by default because I don't want, I don't know what's in every single lease and I just want to make sure that those conditions are respected. And then we're going to go down. So here I have my receipt acknowledgement. You have to have a receipt acknowledgement because the tenant from the time they receive the notice, they have 30 days to tell you what they're doing. Are they staying? Are they leaving? Are they refusing the increase? So this is my data point here that shows me the day on which the tenant received it. And then here I have their answers. Okay. And so I have one uh, checkbox that says I'm accepting the conditions of the new lease and I'm staying. And I have another checkbox that says I am not renewing my lease and I'm leaving. I don't have the third option on here because I just think like if you want to go through the step of refusing my increase that I have calculated in the normal way according to the Regi laws, you're going to have to get off your butt and send me a recommended letter with my address, which is provided here. Okay, that's the minimum. And the, the way it works if the tenant refuses the increase is that the burden is on you, the owner, to then go and open the fixation file at the towel. So you have to then incur the fees of opening the file, which you will not get back, independent of what the, the judge's findings are. You then have to notify the tenant of the proceedings. And then you have to go and prepare all the calculations that you're going to be able to present to the judge. So it's like really a lot of work. 
And for me, the minimum is if you want to re refuse my increase, bloody well, go and open a file, like go and send a recommended letter. And so the way I protect myself is that I have this sentence here that says, if you want to refuse the proposed modifications, you must answer this communication within one month of receiving it or else the lease will be automatically renewed. And so if you have this magic sentence, which is actually, we took it from the topic, if you have this magic sentence in your renewal letter, it's legally okay for you to deliver renewals letters that way and to not have that third uh, little checkbox where the tenant can say, oh, I decide to stay, uh, but I refuse your increase. So that's just a little trick. Um, make sure that you do copy that from the topic or we're going to leave a form that you can download um, in the show notes. Uh, because if this is not formulated in exactly the right way, you know, the judge, if should you have to go to court, the judge can say you did not present the tenants with all of their options. And so you don't actually need the third checkbox, but you do need a sentence in there somewhere that explains to people that if they refuse, they are still allowed to remain in the unit. So, Okay. So with the document that I have provided you, uh, I should remove that third line where it says you don't refuse the, the modification? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do it. So, okay. That's, that's a good point there. I didn't know about that. Yeah. That's a good strategy. And I'll just mention also, if you are using a, a software like Proprio Expert, you can um, deselect that option in the letters. So I just, yeah, yeah, I just did that um, the other day and discovered that you can, you know, change the the response options. Um, and you could actually even change the form of the letter. So if you want to include, for example, those additional conditions where they're responsible for snow removal or there's certain kinds of response protocols of like you want to be communicated with by recommended letter at a certain address, you can specify all of that in your modification conditions. Uh, yeah, that's good to know. Uh, can we talk about the negotiation factor? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So what's your question? So my question is that uh, currently I'm, pay I'm responsible for the heating or electricity in the, in the building. And because of these rent increases being so high, I was thinking of maybe, okay, my negotiation approach would be that I would like the tenants to take responsibility of their own electricity. So I spoke with the towel uh, this week and they said that you can do that modification, I mean, to in the renewal of the lease to transfer the responsibilities to the, to the tenants. But of course, with a reduction in the kind of average hydro costs. So I was thinking in my head, I said, okay, since we do have an, uh, an exorbitant rental increase, maybe we can just reduce the amount of their average hydro from the increase that they are going to receive. And that would kind of bring it to, I would say, kiff-kiff or an even, you know, a break-even stance. Enjoying the episode so far? Have you really been listening to the episode or has your monkey mind been taking you off in one direction or another? Our mental habits can be our biggest assets or our biggest liabilities as we pursue certain goals. For me, the biggest performance gains have always come from training my mind. In my book, Mindful Landlord, I talk about how you can train your mind and how you can apply some of these strategies to your journey in the real estate field. The book is available on Amazon and also on its website, mindfullandlord.com. Now I'll stop evangelizing for the power of mental training and let you get back to the show. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, just a couple of things. So um, the first thing is, is this even advantageous for you? Because you're saying, okay, I, you know, I bought a building, I did a, an electric, like a conversion to make the tenants responsible for their own heating costs. And I now want to change the leases, but I know I have to give the tenants a rent reduction. Does this even make sense? Because in year one, 
the what the judge is going to give you is that you have to decrease your rent amount by the equivalent of what you're paying in heating costs. So does this even make sense? Well, the answer is yes, because you are reducing the rent once. Okay. And so then let's say you're going to give them a discount of $80 or something, but the heating costs are going to continue to go up and it's the tenant who's going to be responsible for incurring those heating costs. And you can go and check on the tell increase. Um, I think you're allowed to recover 2.3% of your electrical increase. So if you're heating your building electrically, you're only recovering 2.3% of that increase. Uh, with gas, it's a bit more. It's a 26% increase this year. But um, you know, if your heating bill goes up $100, you can pass 2% of that onto your tenants. So you know, over time, it's going to make sense to freeze you know, the, the decrease and then let them continue to pay. So in year one, you're not going to win. But over time, that's going to be something that's advantageous for you. Now, the one thing in your case, Ron, where I would be careful is because you are basing your rent cre increase partly on heating costs. And at the same time, you want to exclude the heating. Um, I'm not sure what happens in that case, because it's kind of like you're making the case that like my operating expenses are going up because my heating increase, my heating costs are increasing. Therefore, you guys have to pay for that. But at the same time, I want to exclude those heating costs from my rent. You know, that's the kind of point that it's a bit too technical for me. Like I would go and uh, discuss that with a lawyer before knowing exactly on which foot I should be dancing. And the way this usually goes is in year one, after purchasing a building, usually you have really big increases. And for me, if I was playing this chess game out, I would say, you know, do I want to maybe leave my electrical conversion juice for next year once my huge rent increases are over? Now, I know you're kind of playing a strategy where you want to say, well, look, we're going to exclude the heating. So finally, it's going to cost you the same amount. But I would want to just be 100% sure that if you request the increase for that it's and then exclude the heating, that the judge is not going to disqualify that. So I would I would actually you know check that with a lawyer. If you're a member of Corpic, you're going to have free legal aid uh, available on there. Or if you have your own real estate lawyer, which at some point you need to have, like that's the kind of question that you should ask them. Okay. Okay. Well, most of the increase is based on the insurance, not necessarily on the, on the heat increase. I don't know if that would play a factor as well. Because I mean that insurance that we had was twenty six thousand compared to four thousand, mm -hmm. so it was roughly uh, I would say it's a tw almost twenty thousand dollar increase, right? Twenty two thousand uh, dollar. No, sorry. Yeah, twenty yeah, two thousand dollar increase. Yeah. So I mean, that was something that really brought the amount, uh, the the percentage really high. So I was that was just one approach that I thought would would uh, would be a negotiating factor. But like you said, I, I should verify with a lawyer, which I did. I did contact Corpic, and she explained to me that it was. It all depends on what the judge, when they see the documentation, they will then determine what would be the best uh, outcome for mm -hmm. the tenant. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little, a little bit about insurance because this is a big Pandora's box, and it, this is Ron is in a very typical situation. I've had this happen too, where. Um, the insurance, because like the old owner, when you purchase a building, the old owner will have like a super cheap policy. And like sometimes the policies are like half the amount. An old policy is at half the amount of what a new policy would cost just because the market has moved on. And so like Ron really got dinged here. But like most of us have this experience. Let's say you have a, you know, whatever, $5,000 policy. And then the minute a new contract comes in, it becomes a $10,000 policy just because you started all over again. And so how do the judges see this? And this is where things get a little bit sketchy. So 
your best defense if you're planning to go to court with this is you need to have a completely ventilated insurance policy. So very often when you're doing a building purchase, the old owner will provide you like with a one pager that says, this is what I paid for insurance. You need to, in a transaction, make sure you get a fully ventilated insurance policy and put that as one of your conditions in the promise to purchase because when it comes time to do the towel, the towel will only allow certain um, expenses in the insurance. So for example, what I've heard is that they will allow civil responsibility, they will allow the fire portion and maybe the basic policy, but all the extras like earthquake insurance or anything else that your your uh, lending institution requires you to put in, because this is often what happens, the lender then will require you to have all these extra clauses, but the towel is going to disallow them. And so basically you can expect that when you go to court for this, the judge is going to look through your insurance policy. If there's no ventilation, he's going to throw out the entire thing. And that happened to me last year. I just had like a, a one page bill from the old owner. And then I had my ventilated thing. And the judge said, I can't compare these two things. It's apples and oranges. So you get zero for the insurance. Okay. So don't let that happen to you. You need to have as precise uh, an indication where every single thing is, is uh, ventilated. And then you need to be aware that the judge is not going to take the entirety of the policy. They're only going to take a portion. So so this is where the strategy of getting the tenants to accept the increase without going to court is so, so important. Because like if I'm Ron, I'm 100% sure that the judge is not going to allow you to have a $22,000 insurance policy and pass that on to the tenant. Because the judges aren't stupid. And like you know, us in real estate, like we also tend to do this. Like you think if I inflate my insurance policy, like sure, I can go out tomorrow and get a $25,000 insurance policy for any building I want. And then I'm smart. I'm going to pass that on to the tenants. And then in year two, I'm going to cancel my expensive insurance policy and not decrease the rents by the same amount. So, you know, the judge sees these kind of ploys and thinks like, well, if Ron had shopped around a bit more, he wouldn't have had to pay $26,000. So like, I'm not going to make the tenants bear the responsibility for Ron's poor decision-making on his insurance coverage. So if I'm Ron, I know that when I go see my tenants, like I really need to get a high percentage of people to be okay with these increases because I know if I go to Tal that they're going to throw out most of my most of my juicy increase. So that then means like bring your insurance bill with you, show it to people and really make this explanation. You have to make a case of why this expense went up so much and why you as the owner are the poor victim of it because that insurance thing even though very often it's the thing that increases the most for us the judges like throw it out and i had this experience last year legitimately where i had two you know 50 dollars increases thrown out because i had an old unventilated policy and my new minimalist policy and the judge was like i just can't compare these two things too bad for you terry um your tenants are gonna get a five dollar increase so don't let don't let that happen to you. <laughs> okay, all right. So I, so with one um, idea that I had was, would I be able to prorate the increase? So let's say this year would be half of that percentage. So instead of sixteen and a half percent, would be eight point two five, and then the next year would be eight point two five. Would that be a part of a, a factor as well to be considered? Well, look, now you're in negotiation territory. Okay, like the towel. There's the the formula for the towel is very specific do your calculation, send your tenant the letter, that's it. But the practice of this can be much more nuanced. And like, if you uh, want to leave that door open for some of your tenants, you're going to know anyways instinctively which ones are going to be more difficult and which ones are not going to want to fight. Yeah. And you might propose that to them and say, look, 
actually what what we've done sometimes when uh, tenants have a really big increase like that is I'll say to them, look, on paper, I need you to sign this increase now because like this is how the towel works. If I legally don't take this increase this year, I'm not going to be allowed to have it next year. But we all know that this year you're going to get a big increase of $100, but next year it's going to be 10 bucks. I know it's not fair. We're all struggling. Uh, why don't you sign this increase and verbally you only need to pay me X percentage. And we actually have like a pretty high success rate with that kind of strategy with people um, when we propose it because it allows you to have your increase on paper, which is important for the bank and which is important should ever push come to shove. But it verbally, you know, you could even go so far as to say, don't pay any of the increase this year if you want to get them to sign it. And, and you know, or you could put it over three years and be like, okay, well, this year it's going to be, a, you know, 20 bucks, the next year, 20 bucks, the next year, 20 bucks. So like you can spread it out, but do the spreading out verbally. Don't do it in writing because next year, you're going to have to go and get another increase. And every single year you have to go and take the maximum increase that the towel allows you because some years, like we can see, Ron can see it's a hundred bucks and some years it's 10. And so you're not going to sit on that $10 and and not take it because in the previous year you negotiated a big increase. So my advice is make sure that on paper, you're always taking the maximum, even if in practice you can make exceptions or defer some of the actual real increase to later years. Okay, so you're saying that we should uh, do a verbal negotiation, but wouldn't it be good to have it in writing between the uh, tenant and and the landlord? Because it verbally it doesn't hold, you know, if the tenant wants to contest whatever reason the following year. Well, I mean, the, the fact is, I'm telling you, sign the full increase. Okay. And so what's written is in your favor. Okay. Okay. The problem with uh, doing those spreadings is what are you going to do? You're going to sign a three-year increase. So you're going to let the tenant now renew for the next three years. And you're going to give away your next three-year increases? Like, that's absolutely not in your advantage. Like, if you right now make build a schedule of three-year increases, you have no idea what the towel increase is going to be next year. Maybe they're going to give you 77% increase on, uh, you know, maybe your municipal taxes will go up by $80,000. Like, we have no idea what's going to happen. And so you kind of need to secure the fact that next year you can do your increase because you don't know what's going to be in there. You need to get a signature on the full amount this year, even if the tenant doesn't pay the full amount, because then what is in writing is in your favor, as opposed to being some like weird multiple scheme where you actually just talk yourself into a three-year lease. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. It's just because I was worried that, you know, some tenants would just forget what the verbal negotiation would be. That's why I was just trying to find some kind of, uh, you know, um, some kind of le leverage to kind of actually have them to remember that and to, for them to commit to it. Well, I mean, but essentially they are committing to it, right? What's on paper is the full increase. Full increase okay. And so if you want to then give them a, a payment vacation and be like, let's actually spread this out over the next three years, well, that's okay. between you and them. And believe me, if you're giving someone a discount, that's not something they're going to forget. I see. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay, Ron, did you have any last questions uh, before we conclude the this little rent strategy tutorial? Uh, no, I... I at the moment, no, I don't have any questions, but I'm very satisfied with the uh, with the process. Okay, well, Ron, thank you so much for coming and sharing this question with people. Uh, this is something we're going to be doing more on the show, which is to take live coaching sessions with people who have questions who want to come on, um, because I think that's the best way for you, the audience, to learn is to see from other questions. And at this time of year, this is like a super common thing, and and these are mistakes that you know we all make when we start out. So if I can just you know give you a summary of the three points. The first thing is 
you absolutely need to use a tell calculation. And it's so important that I'm just going to even do another little screen share now because I think I'm going to show you guys the tell form again. Okay. So here we have this famous, here is the, you know, the, the website upstairs uh, up in the, in the bar. And you can just uh, type this into Google. Outil de calcul 2023. If you have not done your increases in the proper way, you need to go on the TAL website and go through these motions. Even if you decide to not use these numbers, you should 100% know the amount that you're entitled to because that's going to change how you do your negotiations with your tenants. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the increase letters. Make sure that you're using some kind of legally validated form uh, because the judge can throw out your increase just based on the letter that you use. Corpic has a great form. I'm also going to drop ours into the show notes so that you can download a version of it um, once you've listened to the show. Um, the all important thing is the responses that the tenants are allowed to give. So you have to inform them over their right to refuse the increase and remain in the apartment, but you don't necessarily need to give them a super easy checkbox that they can use to, to pick that. And then the final thing is to, you know, in the vein of treating your, your tenants with respect, you know, when you have big increases, take the time to go and go door to door and really explain, show them the calculation, be completely transparent, give them access to the bills, and you're going to have a much smoother experience uh, and a much higher acceptance rate of what you're doing. You know, incidentally, like I also own properties outside of Montreal, in which case it was a bit difficult for me to go door to door. In that case, I emailed all the information to the tenants and I followed up with an individual phone call to provoke a conversation with every single tenant so I can be 100% sure that they really understand what I'm doing. Not that I'm just impersonally sending them something out and then hiding in my office, um, expecting them to say yes. <laughs> okay, so thank you for being with us, Ron, and uh, tune in next time for another episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Well, thank you very much, Terry, for the invitation. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.